There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, brought to you by First Light. On this week's show, I'm going to break down the case for and against the use of cellular trail cameras in the whitetail woods. When listeners and readers reach out to me about deer hunting, I know that a good percentage of the correspondence is going to involve questions about trail cameras. We love our deer cams, and we've embraced both traditional models and, as of late, cellular models in a way that hasn't happened with many categories of outdoor gear. But the reality is that trail cameras, and especially cell cameras, aren't the end-all to your scouting efforts. As you'll hear in this episode, they're pretty far from it, actually. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use them but instead should consider how much you rely on them to tell you what is going on in the woods and how you should plan your hunts around the intel they provide. Last week I broke down many of the considerations of buying and scouting with traditional trail cameras. Today's episode is all about cell cams which is an option that has been around for quite a while, but has really caught on in the last few years. Not only have cell cameras gone down considerably in price, but nearly all trail camera manufacturers offer at least one model now, meaning you got a lot of options. My introduction to cellular cameras happened quite a few years ago at the Archery Trade Association show. A company that no longer exists had a big display with some toaster-sized cameras. And when I walked up to look at them, A rep for the brand started telling me how they sent pictures to his email. He then went on to tell me how he used his cameras to find strutting toms in fields throughout the spring season, so he knew where to sneak in and hunt. I walked away from that conversation thinking that that was a great way to ruin one of the best parts of spring turkey hunting, which is just the surprise factor of having a bird suddenly gobble in your ear when you didn't even realize there was a long beard anywhere near you. It was quite a few years after that first exposure that I picked up a cell camera for myself. At the time, I was running bear bait sites in Minnesota in an area with unlimited tags and very few bears. 
The round trip to the site to check a traditional camera was 200 miles, and it was mostly a waste of gas and time for me. I figured a cell camera would tell me exactly when bears showed up, what frequency they were hitting the bait, and would save me a whole bunch of time and cost on fuel. And it did, sort of. It showed the visitors, but there was no frequency to those Minnesota yogis that had many bait sites to choose from. What ended up happening was that I didn't hunt as much as I should have or would have had I been using traditional cameras. In other words, it didn't actually help me, and it probably hurt me a little, but it was also a hell of a lot of fun. Now, I've never done heroin, so this is just a guess on my part, but cell cameras are probably almost as addictive as a spoonful of China White. Seeing a new photo identification pop up on your phone is a rush, and that little dopamine drip it causes is hard to deny. Cellular cameras are fun, really, really fun, but they are also ethically a little questionable and often legally questionable. I had a conservation officer tell me once that they fall in a gray area that might be construed as using wireless communication, which is illegal in many states, to take game animals. The way he described it, if you had a cell cam send pictures of a buck to you and an hour later you killed it, the case could easily be made for a hunting law violation. If your camera is on a property five hours away and you can't just go hunt it anytime a picture shows up, it's less likely to be viewed as a violation. He also mentioned that what is going to happen, and I fully believe him on this, is that cases are going to become more frequent as people kill really big bucks that they've been capturing cell camera images of. As he put it, no one turns in the guy who shoots a forky, but the guy who kills the only 160 in a section is going to make some of the neighbors jealous. This is just reality, and the hunting regulations in most states haven't caught up to this technology yet. It's likely they will, but for now, it's up to you to decide how to use a cell camera that fits your ethical desires and is not going to get you in legal hot water during the hunting season. Now, if you do opt for this route, you'll see a pile of reasonably priced options on the market. They range from as low as maybe 100 or 150-ish bucks to a couple hundred. The plans, which operate on various phone networks and often require you to sign up for a recurring monthly fee, can be anywhere from $10 on up depending on the amount of picks you want to pay for and a few other factors, like if you sign up for a whole year or just a few months. Now you can set up cellular cameras to send picks instantly, which is what I do in the summer, or batch send them at a specified time during the day. This is a good move during the hunting season so that you're somewhat insulated from instant knowledge that could get you in trouble. Now this type of camera promises an intrusion-free look into the deer woods, and that's a big deal. It's the biggest selling point of cellular cameras. Because after all, who doesn't want to know what's going on at that creek crossing or in their kill plot without having to go in there and set the whitetails on edge with their presence? For distant properties, this is an extremely efficient and effective way to scout. Ditto for small properties that simply can't handle a whole lot of human presence before the deer just leave your 20 acres to set up shop a little ways away in a less dangerous woodlot. Throughout the summer, you can use cellular cameras to keep track of bachelor groups tucked away in the backs of bean fields without having to glass them or slip in and potentially disrupt their pattern. This is an unreal way to take inventory and gauge some daily usage on a food source. It's also a great way to get an incomplete picture of what's going on out there. In fact, all trail cameras are that way because even the best ones miss deer. 
This is something that never gets mentioned in the hunting media, and it drives me nuts, even though I get the reasons for the silence. The first one is that most folks probably just don't understand how inexact trail cameras really are. The other involves folks who do, but they just don't want to talk about it due to advertiser commitments and obligations. Listen, I get it. But having tested a pile of cameras, oftentimes in the same tree pointed in the same direction, I can say that your cameras are missing deer. During a recent conversation with a good buddy who is in the hunting industry as well and also a dedicated DIY hunter, I asked him what the rate of deer getting photographed versus deer getting missed was with his cameras. And he responded with maybe 30 to 40% actually show up in images. In my personal experience, I'd agree with that. I see this with cell cameras and I see this with traditional cameras. Now look, I get this that you might doubt this, but it's testable and a real eye-opener when you just mount two cameras next to one another. I've done this with a mix of different cameras and have always just shook my head at the results. It's wild, but it's a good lesson. We really put a lot of faith in cameras because it's easy to believe they are out there fighting the good fight for us all the time. But think about that brand new iPhone you just bought. Does it function perfectly? Probably not. It'll drop calls, it'll glitch out, and it'll generally not give you 100% perfect performance. And I promise you that Apple, with $200 billion in the bank and access to the best software engineers on the planet, is closer to perfection with technology than trail camera companies are. And they still have issues. And as a totally irrelevant side note, Apple is also one of the companies that led the charge for recurring service fees and what that can mean for a company's revenue. Those little $4.99 a month charges that we forget about on our credit cards add up, and big business knows it. So do trail camera companies, which is where the real money is made on these cellular cameras. Depending on how many cameras you run or how lazy you are when it comes to auto renewals, this type of deer scouting can get expensive in a hurry. So be mindful of that. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash eater and use promo code MEATEATER. That's promo code MEATEATER at urgentcarekit.com slash eater. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. Now, this, this is a good innovation here, and it solves a real problem, okay? So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, like a griddle on your grill. 
It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. There's no use of coatings, okay? You can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Now, everything, the problem with griddles, everything rusts. No one talks about how bad everything rusts. Uh, the reason they don't because they couldn't fix it until now. Well, Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber grill will last for years. When used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. With the new Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Now, knowing that and knowing that cameras are unreliable to some extent doesn't mean they aren't valuable. But just don't operate on the assumption that anything that walks in front of them is going to be photographed. This isn't true. And there can be another issue with cellular cameras. I've had a few models that also only sent me some of the pictures they captured. I've never pinned down why this happens, but when I check the SD card versus the sent images, it's almost always different. There are always more deer on the SD card than were sent to the app on my phone. Now, this isn't an argument against any kind of cameras, but just a note of caution. As I've been preaching in these foundation episodes, multiple forms of scouting blended together is the best bet to becoming a better deer hunter. If you rely solely on a cellular camera to inform your hunting decisions, you're missing most of the puzzle pieces. The picture is just going to be incomplete. Now, used as a complementary tool, then you're on to something. If your cell cam shows some frequent buck activity in an alfalfa field, get in and glass it as well. Take a look at the images you get, plus the deer activity you can actually observe. Take a look at the sign in the area as well. If your camera is sending you a few photos each day on a river crossing that is absolutely pounded with tracks, you're probably missing some deer activity, but that's okay. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, something that is a definite plus that you'll see with cellular cameras, especially if you have them send you images as soon as they are captured, is that the picture of deer movement throughout the day becomes more clear. This goes for the rut, of course, but also every single day of the season. In fact, every single day of the year. If you hang a camera on a food plot, you might not get too many surprises outside of morning and evening movement, although little kill plots often show day-long movement. But when it comes to travel routes and staging areas and deep in the woods areas with good brows and anywhere with decent cover, cellular cameras can reveal more daytime movement than we'd often expect. In fact, this is one of the reasons I tend to hunt longer at all times of the year now, not just during the rut. Running cell cameras randomly has painted an interesting picture for me that there is the potential for daytime movement every day of the season. And that's a powerful argument for sitting a few hours later in the morning or going in a few hours earlier in the afternoon. Even though traditional cameras tell you when bucks move as well, obviously, it hits a little different when you're in the office at noon and a photo pops up of a buck feeding in broad daylight. This is the kind of thing that leaves a mark because it's an in-the-moment realization that what we think about deer isn't always quite right or quite true. It doesn't take too many of those instances before you realize time in the woods is a good thing, no matter what week of the season it is or what the weather is doing. 
This idea alone has helped me kill a few bucks that I probably wouldn't have arrowed otherwise. One particular example is a buck in North Dakota a few years back. I've never run a camera in that entire state in my entire life because every trip has been to public land with only a few days to hunt, which was the case with this mid-October buck. But after a glassing session in the morning, I just decided to suit up load up and go sit over a small cattle tank in the midday. I figured since the tank was tucked into a bunch of cedars that maybe a buck would randomly drink throughout the day, even though I had no camera images to prove that and couldn't see it from my glassing point. I just knew from running cameras in other spots that the potential for midday movement was real because it happens all over the place. Now, the very minute I got settled into my stand, a four-pointer walked into the water. I stood up and got ready thinking he might not be alone. And within seconds, saw that I was right. The second buck, a beautiful eight-pointer, took a little drink and turned in my direction. A minute later, I heard him pile up in the sage, and I realized that I'd have him pieced out and back to camp long before dark. A small nod goes to cellular cameras for that buck, because they have just solidified to me the reality that deer move more than we think throughout the day. Of course, cell cameras also serve other purposes, too. They might clue you into who exactly is hitting the scrapes in the beginning of October or what time of the morning the deer are most likely to travel down the creek bottom on your lease. But just like the smartphone I mentioned earlier, cellular cameras depend on good connections to function properly. This means that you might not be able to get a signal in your best spot. It also means that a good signal can be highly variable. I've tried to get cellular cameras to connect to the network on a quarter acre food plot and failed on one side while it connected easily on the other side. For some reason, there can be a difference in spots even if they're only 20 yards apart. This has also happened to me many times trying to set up cell cameras in ravine bottoms versus higher ridges. The same goes for thick cover versus field edges. Again, this is an inexact science. Understand that even with the best cell camera, you'll probably wanna have some traditional cameras as backups just in case. You'll also want to make sure that your cameras are set up and sending images properly. The first step is to use them at home where your cellular connection is likely to be really good. If you've followed the setup instructions and are getting pictures from your house, that's a start. It won't necessarily translate to the woods, however. Now, I never hang a camera in the woods without making sure that it'll send me images. Take the few extra minutes to ensure that's happening before you head back to your truck. Trust me on this. Those few extra minutes of patience will save you some headaches and frustration later. Now, if you've done everything right, you should start to see some deer activity resume pretty quickly. This is the really cool part and obviously the biggest benefit of cell cameras. They can help you dial in deer movement in a way that traditional cameras just won't. Cell cameras can also tell you if you're sharing the woods with anyone. This is a big draw for private landowners. Knowing that someone is cruising around on their ground on an ATV or hopping fences to shoot a few squirrels in the middle of the day is valuable knowledge. Those are satellite benefits to this technology, and they are good ones. But dialing in up-to-the-moment deer activity, even if it's incomplete deer activity, is key and a hell of a lot of fun to boot. Now, as I've already stated, cell cameras aren't the end-all to scouting. Even though they might seem like it, they are a complementary tool that can be crazy beneficial in situations where you can't easily get to your deer ground or don't want to negatively impact your hotspots with unnecessary intrusion. You'll still probably want to run traditional cameras and you'll definitely have to spend some time burning boot leather and looking around in those spots, but maybe not as much as you would have 10 or 15 years ago 
That's a very good thing if you're careful with it. Now, in two weeks, I'll swing back around to trail cameras and the images you're currently getting and just what you should do with all of that intel. But next week is all about whitetail groceries and how you should pay attention to the deer buffet now to not only inform your scouting efforts, but also to begin building a real fall hunting plan. So that's it for this week, my dear loving friends. Be sure to keep listening so that you can hopefully fill a few more tags this season and more importantly, enjoy your time on stand a little more this fall. I'm Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you here next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.